Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to a football show here on the 440 Sports Network. YouTube page, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is you are joining us. We appreciate you. Donnie already into the comments. How are you? He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. We're going to announce a winner, by the way, today. Our second and final winner from Sinker's Beverages to go next Tuesday on a trip to the Bourbon Trail. I have some more details, Zach. There could be a fancy lunch planned as well. So there's going to be some. Ooh, a picnic? Yeah, oh, maybe. Maybe just us guys <laughs> having a picnic. We have so much to discuss today. I was out of practice the last three days. What did we learn? I think Titans fans should be super excited, at least for something. <laughs> at least one thing. I, I kind of put it as the Titans offense is fun? question mark <laughs> yeah um no so a, a lot of observations and hopefully you and i can have maybe a thoughtful and smart conversation about like how to watch practice and and uh, you know like we make fun of all the tweets and all the videos and like i just posted one of derrick henry like large man run fast like way to go <laughs> he looks great uh but like i don't what do we gain out of all that stuff i think there's a really smart way to watch practice uh and we can talk about what i saw this week we've got deandre hopkins coming to town on sunday for a visit we'll touch on that Obviously, the Kevin Byard situation is is huge. He just spoke to the media for the first time. I'm not sure he answered anything that fans want answered, uh, and maybe the conversation. I, I think I I, I let's save let's it. wait save until it. Save, save it. it. Let me write that down so I don't forget. Save it, save it. Um, yes, exactly. QC Hawk Levis hit the net today multiple times. Uh, Malik Willis could not get it into the the hole in the net apparently. So that means obviously he's gonna be he's gonna be cut. No, the videos you get are what they are. We're all it's we're all trying to get clicks and views and traffic or whatever. Um, but it, but you learn you can actually learn stuff by watching practice if you watch it. I think the right way and try to take away the right things from practice. So we'll try to share Dude, some of that stuff. Hey, I wish I would have known you were going to talk about this because I would have put <laughs> watching practice, Braden explaining watching oh, practice. It, just because I have an opinion, you 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 Zach explain people all the time. Then oh, I, I got called out for it. I was checking the reviews for football and other f words. I don't know if you've seen my my Twitter feed lately, uh, <laughs> but I posted someone's review. And it said, here, here's what it said. Uh, solid pod, four stars. This is from Jake Butthurt Locker. Mike's the man, but Zach is like a big lots version of a journalist with a ridiculously inflated ego. And well, I quote tweeted it and said, can't help that I am always right. <laughs> it, it doesn't. I don't understand why when you get frustrated and explain things to people that it's just you doing good quality, thoughtful work. And when I do that, it's Braden explaining. I don't like You're that. You're not in charge of the graphics. I, that's, <laughs> fair, that's a fair point. That's a fair, fair point. Um, we are going to hear from three Titans players today on the show. Nick Westbrook-Akine and Chris Jackson. I had a chance Can to ask Can we call this Ziz Al-Shair clip an exclusive? I mean, I would. It's absolutely an exclusive. Most of the time that we post stuff on this show – no one else is being like I'm the one doing the interviewing. It's it's a, it's a one on one. The NWI one had someone uh, yes. head in it. I don't know who yes. that little fellow was. Yeah, that was Steve Layman from News Channel Five. Shout out um, <laughs> NWI. And the reason I wanted to include it is because I ha it was talking about the new offense and the new verbiage. So I want because that's going to be a big conversation day on the show is the new offense. Fun question mark. Um, yeah. So we're gonna we, we're gonna hear from NWI and Chris Jackson from both perspectives on offense and defense about what that offense looks like. Then you got about a two-minute uh, conversation I had with uh, Aziz Al-Shair, who is I, I, really one of the smartest dudes on the team already, one of the more interesting, thoughtful guys on the team. Very good quote. He and, should be a, a four-time All-Pro just based on interviews alone. Like, if you should yes. be able to get in for yes. giving the best, consistent interviews every time. Yeah, I talked about that on uh, Football and Other F-Words this week. It's like, I, I know that, the, the pass defense isn't going to be elite, like Kevin Byard said today, but it's going to be pretty good, and I think that it's all because of Aziz Al-Shair in the middle is just energized. This defense just seems totally energized. Yes, uh, Chris, and, and Chris Harris and yeah. Arden Key and uh, Sean Bunting, Sean Murphy Bunting, all of them very vocal on the practice field. You know who else has been? This is here's a nugget. Here's an early nugget for you uh, from an OTA from minicamp. You know who else has been extremely vocal on the practice field, more so than I've ever seen before? Jeffrey Simmons. Ooh. Jeffrey Simmons has been yapping a lot. Not in a bad way. And yapping in DeAndre Hopkins' DMs, too. <laughs> yes, not, not in a bad way, but like a getting us fired up, getting people focused, getting people, fo you know, doing the right things and stuff. 
Um, very different. I will we'll explain a little bit later on, but I think one of the biggest takeaways is that this is just a totally different energy level and vibe at practice all, than I've been than I've seen since 2016, and that's as long as I've been covering the team. So um, we'll announce our winner, of course, for the Bourbon Trail trip. You want to do that now, or do you want to wait? You want to wait? Let's wait. Let, let, you want to wait? Okay. Let's wait. Let's wait because I want to talk Kevin Byard here. Of course, the show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages. Sign up for the in crowd. You can do it online. You can do it in the store. You can also do it at Bluegrass up in Hendersonville. Great selection of beer, walk-in cooler, great selection of bourbons. They'll help you out. If you need to pick out a nice wine for something, they'll take care of you. Really good price point as well. Um, just really hands-on neighborhood location in both stores. And uh, again, there's a reason they were the best liquor store in Nashville by the Nashville scene in 2022. They are the defending champs. And of course, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Uh, don't do any, don't do anything to your house. Don't make any decisions about your house unless you talk to them first. Just remember the name. We're not asking you to go out and call them right now. But if you have a big decision coming on your house, buying, selling, renovating, whatever. Hey, listen, I'll ask them. Go ahead and call right now. Get something done on your house and go ahead and call them. <laughs> when it's appropriate for you to spend a bunch of money on your house, you want to do it right. So remember the name, the Kingston Group. There you go. They're award-winning for all these people are award-winning. F words, F words pod is award-winning. Sinkers is award-winning. Kingston Group's award-winning. I think stackintheinbox.com this year is going to get an award. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm the only slap dick without an award. It's fine. It's okay. Um, all right. Maybe so maybe get... we'll get one for a football show, and you know maybe my clout from my previous award will be able to get us that win. Best commenters in the city. How about that? Yes. There you go. <laughs> Stoney Keeley out front. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's get to Kevin Byard. He just spoke to the press for the first time. Uh, I did have a chance. So he he's on the practice field on Tuesday. We're all standing there watching him. He was very vocal. A couple pass breakups. Big part of the defense. So, like, he looks great. He looks like he's been practicing. He doesn't look slow. No, no, nothing there to be worried about from an on-field perspective. But they don't let him available to the media. Then they don't let him available to the media again. So people or reporters are getting a little, you know, we're getting all butthurt about this. And it's rightly so. They could have just put this all to rest by making him available on Tuesday. Um, uh, you know they like to do everything I know, a lot more I know. difficult than they have to. And frankly, I don't think Kevin Byard, Kevin Byard generally, and I've talked to him, a, I don't know, a dozen times. He is generally very open about the well, things that are happening to him. Well, PK even brought that up, right? I mean, PK specifically in his question says, you're normally pretty open with us and, and some other words were thrown in there for uh, describing the same thing. But he basically said, you're pretty, you're always pretty open and forthcoming with everybody. And, you know, then followed it up with a different question. But like, it, that was kind of an alluding to, you're really holding back today. Yes, and essentially was asked, I don't know, nine different ways about taking the pay cut. And, and good, he good for the media, by the way. I, I thought they would for sure after like a Jim Wyatt softball question got thrown in there, <laughs> over, and they, but they kept coming back to it. And I thought no, the they... stuff about that John Glennon asked about, um, you know, how do you feel about that? Like, how right, does right. it I, I love the questions. I thought all the questions were good. And, and Byer was like, I don't want to get into my feelings, which to me – if he was totally like here, here's the ultimately, and again, if you want to watch the video, go watch the video and listen to the entire press conference. Basically, anytime it got it got down to the point where he needed to say something important and definitive for us to learn exactly what's going on, future or past, he deflected the entire thing to I have people that do that. This will be, this is up to my agent and ran. This is I hire people for this. Um, I I don't think like to me nothing changed in the conversation there is still no conclusion to be reached even if kevin byard is not worried about it even if kevin byard is not missing a single thing he certainly said i'm not going to get into all that when it when he talks about voluntarily showing up for the next round of practice which he it sounds like he's not going to be at I, it just it it feels like to me that as i've said to you on this show there is going to be a contract extension for Kevin Byard. And until that happens, this is the shit we are in until that happens. That, that is my opinion. So everybody has pretty much said that if he speaks, that means it's all good. And now he speaks, and I'm still not convinced everything is the way it's supposed to be. Or I, I, I described it yesterday as I think they're on solid ground. I think Kevin Byard obviously understands that he has the Titans technically over the barrel right now, but he's not the, his team is angling for an extension. It is so freaking obvious. And then on the flip side, the Titans are not wanting to give said extension. 
But Kevin Byard also knows that he's getting paid a lot of money no, no matter, matter what. what. <laughs> so he should be showing up, right? There is no point to for Kevin Byard specifically to be holding in or holding out or whatever. But what I, I there's a lot of things that I think is interesting to this. And, and the thing that you said earlier about you don't, you said something about him saying stuff and fans and not maybe not getting what they want out of what he said. I totally disagree. Oh, okay. Fans right. totally got what they wanted because fans love to stick their head in the sand. This Titans Twitter <laughs> fan base loves to stick their head in the sand. And so all right, all right. they're going to take him at his word because Kevin, let me say this. Kevin Byard has earned blind, optimistic views from the fans. I do not I do not disparage fans for believing everything that Kevin Byard says. He's earned that. It's he's not like Andy Hill throwing three interceptions, right? No, and Byard hiding and all yeah. that. He's earned it. It's the wrong take, but he's earned it because I think it's interesting that he pushed everything over to the people that he pays to do this. And I think it's interesting that the wording has been Kevin Byard has not asked for a pay or to be released or cut if uh, when he was asked to take a pay cut. That is true. And I've been talking about this for a while that he didn't ask. No. no. The agent well, definitely threw something out there at the negotiation table in response. And that's what an agent is supposed to do. They're yeah. supposed to leverage and talk about that. Does not mean that if, like, they said, okay, well, you better make sure with Kevin, you're going to take a pay cut. And then he went to him or take a cut. And we're going to cut him. And then he's yeah. like, well, you know, we're not, we're obviously not going to, you know, we don't want to get cut. It's just to me, nothing got resolved by him speaking because he chose right. Right. him and the Titans or he chose to not answer any real no. Any questions with real answers? The, the details didn't matter. I mean, the fact that he just he said he decided in February to work out on his own, and the and he had constant communication with the coaching staff. Like we kind of already knew all of that stuff. Um, Ed, this is what I was going to bring up. Ed asks, "Do you think this is? Do you think he has a pending deal in place, depending on the Hopkins move? If anything, a new deal helps you sign DeAndre Hopkins. So it's almost like you need to know the the Bayard move first, which is why I think they are like we've got a lot of moving parts here that aren't related to Bayard." And, and the Hopkins thing is kind of part of this conversation. Now, let me let me make one observation about I think I think that Rand Carthon probably could have handled this better I, yeah, publicly. I, I, I think he's a first time GM dealing with. And I thought Kevin Byard. I think this is a, almost truly one of the more important takeaways from today was how glowing Kevin Byard spoke of Rand Carthon. Now, I had a conversation with Rand walking out the practice field yesterday. And I will keep those 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 conversations that we had to our to ourselves. But there is a personality that Rand Carthon brings to the table that I think is very apparent from the second you talk to him. And it is all the stuff that Kevin Byard said. He's a character guy. He cares about the players. He's a players first kind of GM. It's all this stuff. Very cerebral, very thoughtful, very collaborative. All the things that got him hired, according to Amy and Mike and et cetera, et cetera. I, I had a quick conversation with him and all that comes out in spades. It just pours out of him how, how that, the kind of person that he is and how thoughtful he is. I think he could have. I think if you asked him today, do, would you have done that a little bit differently? I think he probably now it wasn't his fault. The, the news got leaked. Yeah, that could have been from Bayard's camp probably was. But could that have been could that have conversation been handled differently? Could it have been handled in a, in a slightly more efficient or private manner i think he would probably admit to you like hey all right hey first time on the job you're gonna make a few tiny mistakes it was a tiny mistake no big deal let's move on um but he is i think he is extremely well respected by the players well i think it also subsequent subsequent conversations with the media involving this he could have handled better too i think when yes. uh, i think it was at the owners meeting i guess when uh Teron and pk interviewed him in a hotel lobby I thought that he could have handled those questions better as well. I mean, yes, I, I think I think the premise of not negotiating in media can it is a it is it something you can aspire 
to happen. But at the end of the day, all media in the end, all negotiations in the NFL play out in the Event- media form of fashion. You can't eventually, yeah. But what I did a good takeaway that I liked about what Kevin Byard said is that he goes, "It's not really for me." When it comes down to deleting social media or jumping on a podcast, <laughs> he, did you did you hear did you hear him catch himself? Because I could hear him say the thing that Jeffrey Simmons did, and then he was right. like, "No, no, 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 that that's okay if you want to do it." But yeah, like, if my, you want, I do don't want. <laughs> I personally don't want to, do it. and right, I right. think that shows a lot of maturity on his end. But you know, Kevin Byard said this conversations he had with Rand Carthon were not about negotiations; right. they were personal conversations. So, yet again, Kevin Byard is not involved in these negotiations. He pays someone to do it. Now, he's involved as a, basically a, okay, this is what we got. Do you want to take it or not? You know, here's our options. Do you want to take it or not? But as far as the actual sitting at a table or sitting on phone calls or going through the negotiation process, process, Kevin Byard's not involved. And that's not a Kevin Byard exclusive thing. No, that is what an agent is supposed to do. So an agent is going to play hardball at certain amount of times. But the end result and the end deal, in my opinion, that will be a contract extension. And QC says, is Bayer the most likely to get an extension to free up space? Or would it be Henry? We did like an entire episode on this. It's very unlikely that Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill get an extension. Henry maybe more than Tannehill, but the most likely to get an extension because of his age and his value on the field is very much Kevin Byer. It absolutely is what my what my opinion is, is that he is going to get an extension three or four years so that it lowers the cap hit this year. That might help them go get DeAndre Hopkins in theory. Um, I, I I think here's the thing though, and it's the same with Hall of Fame voting. And maybe it's not fair, but it's ha- but it happens. Pecorine, for example, is going to get a few more votes for the Hall of Fame because of how much respect he treated people with and how much respect they treated him with. Derrick Henry is the same kind of thing. Like Derrick Henry will probably get more Hall of Fame consideration because of the kind of person that he is. And that is just a human thing that happens to all of us. We cannot control that. And I think that when Kevin Byard gets an offer from his agent, who's been playing hardball and sees the offer, I think having a high quality relationship with Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon is going to help that process at, at some point. And that is kind of the thing I take away from this is that, Carthon may not he may not work he may not be the right GM long term he may not win a Super Bowl in fact it's likely he doesn't but swinging away from John Robinson from this good old boy like my way or the highway kind of deal to like this very Kevin Byer would have probably already got his extension and it would have been like a hundred million dollars with John Robinson maybe you're right but we wouldn't be having this conversation then but but I think Kevin Byer spoke very highly of Rand Carthon today for a reason in my opinion and I think it's because he wants he wants this all to go away. I think Rand would tell you in a moment of clarity, I, I could have done it a little better, but I want this to go away. I think they are working right now behind the scenes to make it go away. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I look at it this way, and we can kind of use this to transition into DeAndre Hopkins. Before we go, Ed Henry puts Vrabel uses media to tweak slash motivate players all the time. Carthon trying to keep media out of deals is a little hypocritical. Good idea, but it's a little disingenuous. I think... I think disingenuous is the wrong word. I think it's naive. I think it's yes, yes. For and him I th- think that he can do that. And I think that's why he would say, I probably could have handled it a little bit better. I, yeah. I think that's why he would say that. And um, what's interesting is this. I want to mention one player before we get to Hopkins, because I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, I, when am I allowed to be concerned about Christian Fulton? Because you talk about tweaking people in the media. Vrabel's been talking about Fulton for a while. I, I and, told you to be concerned about Christian Fulton like three weeks ago. <laughs> no, but I mean, like he's, but this was before mandatory camp where he's now, what is he injured inside the building? Like, what What are we doing I here? Know. Like, I mean, like, I mean, that's the thing is like, like, again, Vrabel not providing clarity. We, we talk about, you know, this, this PR group and staff and, and players, they, need to provide a little bit more clarity because shouldn't we, he just say, yeah, Christian Fulton came in and Hey, he's not injured. We're just getting him up to speed or Hey, he's, I, a, he's I, a little bit injured. So we're just, we're, we're easing him in. He did a lot of great work in Miami and we're easing him in. Like, no, no, they're going to win more games because they kept his potential percentage yeah, right? up I to mean, date a secret. These coaches are paranoid schizophrenics. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous, and I think that at 
because you know now it's you got people on <laughs> uh, um, uh, I listen to mainly 1025 I don't think I heard it on Blaine and Mickey this week because I, I caught them a couple of times but um people are talking about that well he could be holding out if he if Christian Fulton is holding out that's that is a worse holdout than let when Le'Veon Bell held out because I thought yeah. Le'Veon Bell holding out yeah. was ridiculous I don't think that's the case I, there's no there's no leverage for Christian Fulton to, to, but, to, I, to but your, I would understand like that there is an aspect that maybe they're just getting him up to speed mentally. But to your point though, about why not just end the speculation, we are left to speculate. Yeah. Because we can see who's on the bikes and who's not practicing. We can see kind of we know Christian who's not was on, on the bikes, right? At one point at the believe someone told I, me. I, I never I think he was, but I never saw him. So I don't okay. want to say that. I think he was one time, but I did not see him at any point on the bike today or at any point on I don't think on Tuesday. Maybe it was Wednesday he was out there. Uh, someone's I think that's what I'm alluding to is Wednesday. He is in the facility, though. We know that for sure because he's on site because it's mandatory, et cetera, et cetera. Which means we are left to speculate about either up to speed or an injury. And if his whole entire offseason was about this guy's going into a major year for his contract, he's in a critical piece that's vying for the number one corner spot on a defense that needs to improve its pass defense. He's a very talented player who's at times been very good for this team and at times been injured. He's in a really big moment. And if he's already hurt again, that's a big story. If he's not, it's not a big story. But you could have just come, you could just come out and say it. You know, like that's and I don't know if like it depends on how hurt he is. Like to me, I, I don't know if him being hurt's a big story because it's the same story we've seen for four years, three years of his career. I, I, but that's a, I mean, you know, what I'm saying that's like, important, that's important though, I, know, man, right I know I know he's an important player and everything, but you I kind of agree with. You can only coach the players that are available, yeah, but I, I think that it is a lot better. I think it's a lot better for your players for you to be honest with the media as a coach to say, Hey, uh, he's fine. He's just, he, we're just catching him up mentally. He hasn't been around. So we're just getting him. He's in the, they did say he's in the film room discussing, talking and learning. So, I mean, I, I think that's 90% chance. Okay. Injured, right? Like that, that's 90% chance he's injured and it's probably a hamstring. But Vrabel's going to get asked about it every time he's up at the podium until he fucking answers the question. So why not just answer the question? I, I agree. Um, again, reminder, you're going to hear from uh, NWI and Chris Jackson on the new offense. You're going to hear from Aziz Al-Shair on Mike Vrabel and the differences between he and Kyle Shanahan, which I think is really interesting what he had to say. So, And then we'll, we'll sort of dissect uh, offense versus defense reality this week from practice. I have a lot of observations from practice itself how to watch the game, uh, what you can actually learn from from like a, a mandatory minicamp. We'll do all of that stuff. But uh, all this weird off-the-field stuff from a contract talk and the leaks about Henry and the leaks about like Fulton and Bayard and et cetera, et cetera, it just made – it drives every Titans fans to, fans to drink, so just go to Sinkers to pick up your drinks. That's all, I'm asking, all I'm asking you to do. And by the way, you could search Uber Eats for Sinkers beverages, and they will deliver the booze directly to your house. They drive so you can drink. There you have it. Kingston Group, of course, as well. National's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you remember that name. So Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group. Um, DeAndre Hopkins coming to town on Sunday. My buddy asked me, hey, do you think, out of curiosity, how close do you think they have to be? Like, have they, ha have they had conversations in order for him to take a visit? And I would assume, Zach, that it wouldn't make much sense for DeAndre Hopkins or the Titans to spend a bunch of money and time and effort and then it, to get out publicly that he's coming to visit, if they didn't think that there was some mutual interest and some general ballpark co cost that they both already kind of understand, um, where do you fall on what they know about each other coming into the meeting? Well, Diana Rossini, I, I don't know if it's today or yesterday, said that this is a hot story because he wouldn't take the meeting if uh, you don't go to Nashville and fly out to Nashville and take a meeting and do all this stuff if you didn't have a lot of interest. And we all know that DeAndre Hopkins wants to get paid. So you don't fly someone out to lowball them. You don't take them out to dinner. You don't fly them on a private jet if you're going to lowball them. He's made it pretty well known. It's pretty well known that he is looking for an OBJ-like deal. Does not mean that it has to be a one-year. Does not mean it has to have five void years. He's looking to get paid around that amount of money. In an offseason, 
as Mike put it on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. He put it as if you're paying Alan Lazard and Devontae Parker $10 million plus each, 15 to 18 is not so bad for DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, whatever that he may get. We've also talked about, and this is why I believe that there has been, this is like a, okay, you you guys have shown the most interest. You guys are close to the number. Let's link up. Is because of the whole trading for the number three overall pick, which I've talked about a few times now, that in that discussion, DeAndre Hopkins was supposedly involved, and you would do your due diligence, talk to your eight, to his representation to decide where is he looking, what kind of number is he looking for, how can we make this work with you guys, uh, us, and this draft pick, blah, blah, blah. The other thing is, is that, you know, it, for the last two weeks since he got cut Memorial Day weekend, nothing. You You've had more teams bow out than you've had show interest. The Cleveland Browns were, I think, bowed out yesterday or Monday. Yep. Yesterday or Tuesday. Uh, we know the Bills, you know, they made a move to extend Ed Oliver. They get, gained $5 million in salary cap, and they flipped right around and used that on Leonard Floyd. <laughs> so, so we know it's not the, the Bills right now. We know that KC hasn't restructured or touched anybody, and they don't need to. They do not need DeAndre Hopkins to win a Super Bowl. We just freaking saw it. Patrick Mahomes on one leg won the Super Bowl. What gives you that idea, Zach? <laughs> you know, so all these teams are falling to the wayside. And, and so to me, it's like, is he going to walk away with a deal this this week? I would be very, this weekend, I'd be very surprised. I don't know if I'd be very surprised. I think I'd be like 60% surprised and 40% uh, yeah. un unsurprised because so far, this is the team that's shown the most interest, and it makes a lot of sense. It makes so much sense for DeAndre Hopkins to be here. So here's here's what I would. So Odell Beckham was fifteen million, three million in incentives on top of that, a one year deal. Uh, I think you could do a heavily incentive laden contract for for Hopkins. I think Hopkins needs to know that he's probably coming in to be not a true number one that he's that you're paying him to be a number two. And what, what I'm hopeful of is that this, this entire process has played out. If you're a Titans fan, this is what you want. The entire process has played out that he's, that it's been slow and that there's not a lot of interest. So therefore the cost just slowly each day goes down like half a million dollars or something. And he starts at 18 and now he's gotten down to like 13 and a half. And he's like, all right, now the Titans are in my ballpark. Let's go talk. Let's go visit. They also desperately need a wide receiver who could catch 60 passes for 800 yards and, and five touchdowns as a good quality number two option on, on any given play. Him, Chig, and Traylon Burks could all be the number one option. Um, and we'll get to why that could be in just a minute. But I, I have actually come around. I, I was very skeptical more on the injury and the PED and the missing time front. I've always loved DeAndre Hopkins as a player. Um, but I've come around a lot more on his value to this team. If you can make the money work, which they probably can, if they can figure that out, I I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming around on risking it for a shiny weapon because I do think that they are, a, they're not a piece or two from winning the Super Bowl, but they might be a piece or two from winning the division. And that, that's sort of where I, I I've kind of come around on adding a player of that caliber. Jeffrey Simmons clearly agrees with me. So, yeah, well, I mean, if you look at, and th this is what we talked about football under the F words yesterday. We really dove a lot deeper into the DeAndre Hopkins topic than I, we initially kind of planned like three minutes before we go live doing our normal planning for an episode. <laughs> um, but Mike brought it up, and and I did too, talking about Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. He threw in Johnny Smith and how that compares to DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Chig. Chig, and then you got Adam Humphreys and Kyle Phillips, and those were the like the best years and a year and a half yep. of Ryan Hill's career, entire career. And if you even sniff that trio, really a quad, throw in Derrick Henry with Ty J Spears, and that changes everything. It changes your slotting position for your wide receivers. It to be honest. Like, I think they're going to win the division with or without DeAndre Hopkins. Now, DeAndre Hopkins seals the deal, right? Like, for me in my head, 
the, with my outlook, I'm like at 80% they're going to win the division. That would make this almost like 99.9% that they're going to win the division. And, and I mean, just that helps. But for me, it means something more about the postseason because if you're getting the Tannehill and Derrick Henry with DeAndre Hopkins, who is better now than what Corey Davis was, and Traylon Burks turns into A.J. Brown 2.0, which I hate comparing him to A.J. Brown, but just really very, very similar player. <laughs> very similar player, sort of, but I just hate comparing him because, you know, A.J. Brown got traded. I have, I have many things to say about Traylon Burks. Yeah, um, coming up soon. But like to me, I, why can't they be Super Bowl contenders with with DeAndre Hopkins if they had DeAndre Hopkins? I, is it I, just because of Tannehill, or is it because of Tannehill plus you get still got the injury fear lingering uh, in the back of your head? I I think, and this is maybe I'm channeling my inner Mike Herndon here, uh, and I've been listening to football and other efforts too too much, but I think they're a, I think they're a bottom third roster in the NFL. I think now they might be the top of the bottom third. Like maybe they're the 23rd best roster but in the you're, NFL. But would you say where would their their top 11 on offense and top 11 on defense rank with DeAndre Hopkins? Because then do, are they really bottom third? Because it's really a depth issue, right? Everybody has an issue with the depth, and then, then that leads to the injury. Nobody wants to say this out loud, and I guess I'll be the first one. I still think the offensive line could be a problem. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I like. I think. Def, I think there are some positions that are among the best in the NFL. Their middle linebacker is. I, I think, and we're going to hear from Aziz Al Shahir. I think he's really good, but like they don't have a lot of answers outside of him uh, at that position. I, I think they're hey, at least Monty Rice showed up yesterday. Apparently, he, he was he was there today too. Um, I think there's a depth issue. I think there's like they're one injury away from a lot of different pieces having to move around. Yeah, it's why Elijah Molden's getting so much work at safety. I, I, I you think they are like for example, you said eighty percent win the division without DeAndre Hopkins, hundred percent win the division with him. I'm more of I like Jacksonville to win the division by two games without DeAndre Hopkins. If they have him, I think it's more of a fifty fifty proposition, and it's sort of like a let's see what happens. Who's the most injured? Who's the not like who who gets the breaks that go their way? And then all of a sudden, I think there's enough competitive balance there to win the division. But I don't think DeAndre Hopkins makes them competitive enough to go on the road and beat Cincinnati in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill and this depth. I just don't think the roster's there yet. That's just my personal view. I, mean, I, I can see it. I mean, I'm, I'm, th I'm looking at it from a perspective of everybody stays healthy because that's what you are judging in the in the offseason. That's what you are judging every team by is – well, this is their healthy 22. Like, you're starting 22. These are the healthy guys. Can this team with DeAndre Hopkins with a healthy 22 contend with Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati, who they barely lost to last year, and one of those games had Malik Willis? No, I know. I know. It's such a weird question because if you say in the game of football, like, in a one-game situation, Vrabel is good enough to beat anybody. Right. Well, that's, and what, that's what the playoffs are, right? And that's the what playoffs the playoffs are. are. Yeah. But they're also not. It's also yeah. a four-game, four-week, absolute, like, gladiators who's standing at the end type of after an 18-week just balls-to-the-wall warfare. Like, it's just – it's a one-game situation mixed with this longevity and grueling intensity that's just – it's such a different sport. And I don't – I don't know. Like, I, I think – I think there's a, I think better about having Hopkins in town today than I did when we did the show on Monday. I think there's a better chance. I think a Kevin Byard extension helps them with that opportunity for sure. Um, but, and we can get to, so I want to get to like some of the players in, in this conversation about practice. I only here, have but, one last thing uh, I want to say about yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and that's about making room for money. I don't want the Harold Landry contract touched. Okay. okay why? I just don't, because I don't, it wasn't initially, it was not a good contract. Um, I, I, for the, he got paid top 10 money for a player that is not a top 10 player to his position. I know now, listen, and I wrote about this at Broadway sports media. Cause I shared it with the guy who says, what makes this a bad contract? Well, I wrote about it, you know, right when it came out that it's an overpay, but sometimes you have to overpay for players, right? Like, but it is an overpay, but the reason why the Titans got into a cap mess. And I know that it's a different situation, 2024 and 2025, because they have more cap room. It, but they got tied to players or carried dead money because they restructured contracts that were borderline good and made them worse. And that's 
look at Tannehill, look at Henry, and look at Byer. <laughs> I mean, right, like right, right. the three guys that we all talked about. Extend Kevin Byard, sign DeAndre Hopkins, and you would have had, I think you turned a B plus offseason into an A offseason. Like that changes everything about this team. Kevin Byard gets to stick around. The fans are ecstatic. I mean, they're like doubly ecstatic, right? Kevin Byer gets to stay. DeAndre yep. Hopkins is here. Yep. You've you you addressed your wide receiver issue. You did everything you need to. To me, that is what that is my personal choice for the Titans to make room if they deem that it's necessary for DeAndre Hopkins would be to extend Kevin Byer. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, and some of why uh, there's two two here's two major positives for Titans fans who are, are with you on like, Hey, why can't we win the division? We we're good enough. Da, 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 da. Uh, the players. So the new offense is a big one. And we're going to hear from NWI and Chris Jackson on the new offense. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. You're also going to hear, there's also one great quote from Aziz Al Shahir. You're going to hear my conversation with him a little bit later on in the show that, that automatically gives this team a chance to win any game. It's already ever in <laughs> is essentially what I'm going to, what he's going to tell us about. So, uh, let's get into the practice this week. Uh, I was out there all three days. Um, let's hear let's 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 hear from the players first. So th this was Nick Westbrook Aquina. He was asked about um, the new offense and learning it and getting acclimated. And then I had a chance to ask Chris Jackson because he's one of the elder statesmen in the secondary who's been around long enough to like watch all the different iterations of the offense. I said, "What have you seen from the offense that is different?" Because there have been more than a few occasions where they have come to the sideline completely confused and so that that's a good thing for titans fans in my opinion so here was nwi and chris jackson after practice yeah on wednesday uh i'd say it's been pretty good uh, personally um, you know just getting used to the different verbiage it's like learning a new language kind of um so there's you know gotta unlearn some things um and just, just put the work in in the playbook and i feel like you know most of the guys are doing the work to try to, try to get it done. This is, this is uh, you know, kind of the revamped offense that we've been seeing on defense. You know, it's been very exciting, you know, to, um, you know, see some of the big plays, you know, they, they've been hitting in practice or, you know, missing and we going in the locker room and talking about the new scheme that they running. And, you know, it's been really exciting, you know, to be honest, for the receivers and for the DBs as well, because we know, you know, this is, you know, what breeds great competition and, you know, the offensive side, they're going to get better as long as we get better, you know, back and forth. So it's been really good. So part of the reason I wanted to ask that question of Chris is that Chris Jackson specifically with Amani Hooker came off the field on Wednesday on the big touchdown pass to Chickaconquo that everyone's been talking about. They hit Jake, they hit Chickaconquo on a on a basically a backside post. He was about two yards behind somebody, a bit of a blown coverage, also great athleticism, perfect throw from Tannehill, long touchdown pass, about 45 yards. They came to the sidelines. I was standing right there, and Chris Jackson and Amani Hooker look at each other and like, what happened? That was the quote. Like, what happened there, yo? Like, what happened? They didn't know. And to me, there was another one today in team drills where a running back leaked out backside and was completely wide open. Tannehill finds him. He scores a touchdown. Offense goes crazy. Defense is like, look at like all the defensive coaches were pissed on the sideline. Like, what happened? Like, what did we, where did we miss that? And to me, that, that is a sign of some creativity. That is a sign that the scheme is what got Chig open on that play, that the scheme is what got the running back wide open on that play. And it happened more than a few times. You heard Chris Jackson, them taking the deep shots, guys being open. It, it There's a lot more to, to, dis to discuss here, Zach, but it, that Chris Jackson and Imani Hooker came to the sideline visibly um, like confused by the scheme that the Titans offense was running. And I am not sure I've ever been able to say that since at least our Smith's days, if not further back than that. I mean, that's, that's a good sign, right? Because this whole, this whole off season has been about the players. It feels like when the discourse surrounding the offense, not being any good has been solely because they're looking at the depth chart. They're looking at the roster and thinking, look, look at this team, you know, right. Look at this team. You know, they they waited to draft a wide receiver in the seventh. They they signed Chris Moore and NWI. I mean, like, what, what good is this offense? And I have been trying to get people out from under that by talking about pass catchers, not wide receivers, and talking about addition from by subtraction of Todd Downing, <laughs> like, and the hiring of Tim Kelly. And I, I listen. I'll be the first one to say it. The 
the hiring of Tim Kelly was such a letdown compared to the names that were available and the names that were mentioned that the Titans showed possible interest in. It was a, it was a very meh hiring. Like, you know, you're, you're not getting excited in your britches like Stoney is right now when we're talking about the offense. So to me, <laughs> this is all very good. In fact, there is even more good news I want to throw in on top of this Titans offense is fun and talking about the scheme and Tim Kelly is that out of 32 <laughs> offensive coordinators and play callers, Tim Kelly is ranked 19th in this weird, wacky formula that takes into account all of this important stuff that a play caller is responsible for. He's 19th. He's higher than Sean McVay. But his time as a Texans play caller, he was better than Sean McVay has been his tenure as a play caller at the Rams. That's a little that's a little crazy to think about, right? Now, I'm not saying this is going to be like the greatest show on turf. 3.0 but we need to give tim kelly a little bit of credit that he is a far superior play caller designer yes. scheme artist than todd downing was so even the individual drills are new so like they are doing drills that they have never done before with the except wide for the helmet room. on the stick that's always there yeah it's true except for the wide receiver like the white even the wide receiver room is running two or three different drills that i've never seen them run before in their individual time and it's because they are putting different routes into the into the into the tree that they have never had in the scheme before. And what is so what I know, like in OTAs or yeah, in OTAs, there was a lot of talk about tempo and speed and in and out of the huddle and pace and pace and pace. What I noticed this week that is different is how like complex and and unique some of the formations, some of the motions, some of the sets. A lot of two back sets at one point. I'm probably not supposed to say this, but at one point, like Derrick Henry's in the pistol with like Tajay well, Spears. They showed an image of it. Okay, Derrick Henry's or in the pistol. Video. Tajay Spears is in the offset, and they've got a zone read play. They've got a play action play off that. They've got a play action to the backside off of that. They've got jet sweeps with, with the running backs that are coming and going. Like there's a lot of pre snap motion, a lot of unique formations, a lot of stuff with tight ends out wide and Derrick Henry. Out. Like again, I'm I'm not trying to give anything away here and get in trouble from the Titans, but like. It's just, it's very different. It's very, it looks like a normal 2023 modern NFL offense. And it has been entertaining, frankly, to watch it. But I think to your exact point, as we've, as we've said this on the show, you have to get out of your mind this old school way of like wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. You got to get that out of your mind. And I know people are excited about, you know, Carlton. Uh, Dow and people are excited about Josh Wiley and I, I get all that Tajay Spears is the player that is going to get the ball the most out of all the rookies Chiga Conquo could be your number one and here's what I'll say about Traylon Burks he looks he looked lighter in OTAs than last year he looked even lighter this week than even just two weeks ago he he has made plays in almost every team drill that they've done when they when they do team fast which is team 100% He's made plays almost every single time. And I, I think he is I think he is ready for being a true number one. What does that mean for the Titans offense? It probably doesn't mean 165 targets. But, no. <laughs> but they are creative, they're innovative, they're fun, they're different, they're fast. It doesn't mean all these players are going to be great or they're going to be a top 10 offense. But it is a breath of fresh air to watch the practices and feel like I am seeing something. That actually translates to Sundays. That's all. Well, I mean, you had Colton Dow's scheme get schemed open for two touchdowns on Wednesday's practice. I mean, a great he, throw by Will Levis on, on one of those, by the way. Yeah, and Chig is going off. He's making a play almost every time you hear. And the, mm -hmm. of course, you're talking about the 30 yard play that, I mean, 30 yards in the air for Chigaconquo, <laughs> right? I mean, like, because he caught it, I think, on the two yard line or something like that. Maybe even um, in the end zone. Yeah. Maybe even in the end zone. But like to me, it's just like this is kind of what we've been talking about, but this is also what they've been talking about, right? They've been talking about playing fast and with speed at, as the ball is snapped at the line of scrimmage. And they're playing violent right there, too. That is how Chig is getting open two yards behind everybody on the defense because the scheme is easy. 
It's easy to understand, easy to diagnose for the offensive skill players, for them to know, okay, here's my two route choices or here's the route I'm supposed to run. I know exactly where I'm going, know exactly where I need to be, and I'll have that ball to me as soon as I get open. Like that to me, positionless football is yes, positionless football, fast, speed, violence, yep. instinct. This is what they've been preaching about. And, and at the forefront of all of this, and I talked about this in football and other F words yesterday on Wednesday, and I want to get your opinion because you've been to OTAs for a while now. Have you ever seen a rookie uh, in the Mike Vrabel era get get put on his plate so much this early as Ty J Spears has? Mm. I cannot think of anybody that has been asked to do so much more than what he was asked to do in college. Maybe, I mean, Malik Willis, maybe you could say that, but like to me, Ty J Spears has been brought up. He's a Almost, though, you can almost say borderline first string <laughs> stringer, it feels like, that has just got so much on his plate, and then they're going to put it all on his plate, then they're going to slowly take it back. But yeah. that's that, That's not the Mike Vrabel way. So what's funny is, like, if you say it, if you say it like this, more than what they were used to in college, that's different than saying putting this much on their plate right out of college and into the offense. And it's funny, you, you guys, you're, I don't know, you Zach, you probably will take this the right way. I don't know if fans are going to take this the right way or not. But the the guy who comes to mind, like right out of the gate when you ask that question, is actually Kyle Phillips. Yeah. Kyle, oh, yeah. Phillips, that, Kyle yeah. Phillips last year in camp was put into basically a starting slot role right away. Yeah. And could handle it and could do it all. And like they, so today at practice, they threw a touchdown pass uh, to Tajay to Spears on the ones in the red zone drill, on the last red zone drill of the, of, of the mini camp. So, again think positionless think versatile think two backs think two tight ends think single wide think think three wide think creative and different and unique and that is why you could have four tight ends on the roster <laughs> so it's yeah. why you could have it's why spears and henry are going to be on the field at the same time it something we've all been asking for it's why chig could be playing as a receiver burks and chig could essentially be swapping positions on a play-to-play -play basis potentially um the one name to keep an eye on on this and Racy McMath dropped a touchdown do pass. This. I, I've, I've heard Joe Rexroad talk about Racy McMath. I know. I, I was actually arguing with Joe about this. He, <laughs> he he dropped a touchdown today. He's got a catch. He yeah. still doesn't do drills the way a third-year player should be running drills. They, they should be tighter, crisper, professional, and sometimes he just doesn't have the – it's just not tight. But, man, the, he does things that no one else can do, which is this big frame who can run. And so I'm curious if he makes the team specifically for – some of the, the the gadgety trick stuff that he can do, I, I'm curious if that if that is the difference between him not making the roster or not because I they really do like Dow. I think Dow is a really nice player. He's limited. Everyone should limit lower expectations because he is a seventh round draft pick. But I think it really is like if they don't sign Hopkins, I really do think it's like Dow and 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 um, uh, well, and, keep McMath, and McMath. It's Dal and McMath. Receivers. Yeah, and they'll make they'll both make it because your top four. You know, if DeAndre Hopkins comes, that's when one of these guys is going right. to get a little nervous. And I, I let, let's I want to talk about something real quick. And I want to ask a question. Well, can, can I? Get, sorry, go ahead. No. let me. I, I want to do this just for Stony and uh, Ted and D Good and Zach and all these people that are like fully erect right now listening to this. I just want to say one phrase just to just to finish you boys off <laughs> for lack of a better term. That was a, a horrible term. <laughs> Derek Henry lead blocker for Tajay Spears. <laughs> just, <laughs> just think about that. Think about all the fun things you could do with that as a, as an end result of a play call. Uh, okay. Uh, what What is your question? Speaking, speaking of blocking, you know, Trevon Wesco has, is apparently gotten paid and just to sit around in the office all day. Um, so, how do Chig and Josh Wiley look blocking? I, I don't feel like that's a, a talked enough topic. I guess it's just because you assume that a they may not be asked to block, but someone has to be. Is it just Kevin Raider out there on those Ra plays? Raiders is playing in that role, and gotcha. so I think it's pretty clear that Chig, Wesco, Wiley, and Raider are the top four. But th the name that I watch all the time in almost every drill is Elise Mack. 
Really? The XFL kid from Notre Dame had a pretty decent season in the XFL. He is big, fluid, athletic, strong. He looks like he and Josh Wiley look like very similar players. Wiley's ahead of him on the depth chart and is running higher up on the depth chart. But he's been a really nice piece. Like there's been some receivers that haven't been very nice. Uh, but Mac is but actually Mac's been pretty good. I don't. It's hard to tell. Okay. Yeah, like t- for example, today Caleb Murphy just blew up Jalen Duncan twice. Like just blew him up. It's really hard to tell who's a good blocker without pads on, or even okay. shell. They're not. They don't even have shells on. So they'll they'll do a running play, and like you can see Wiley get right good position, and he's in the right position for leverage. But you don't know how that play is going to end because like the DB can just like jump out of the way. And you can't really put your hands on a guy, right? Like it's yeah. I was just wondering about very the, hard the, the tight ends and in that situation and blocking. Um, but I mean, Stoney's Stoney's right. You know, if only there were two dudes in the Nashville media space that could have possibly seen this coming with Ty J Spears. If only, if only. Well, thank you, Stoney, for giving me and Zach credit. I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I listen that the way you have to watch this stuff. Because again, and I know you were wanted to, you wanted to talk about this, like the defense and the offense, like it was kind of about even most of the and week. Typically, these kinds of this part of the year, it leans very heavily defense, and maybe that's just a Titans thing, but it's always felt like the defense always, yeah, always is winning despite maybe not getting interceptions against Ryan Tannehill last year, but they were always winning. And like today, there were like the last two team possessions. Like I would say the defense, quote unquote, won. But I think Vrabel said this, like there's a lot of pass interference calls that don't get called when it looks like the defense won a play and they didn't because FBI would be called. So I think that the, I think the who won the day is, is is a very overrated way. This is where I'm apparently Braden's planning. I think it's extremely overrated to try to boil down a practice to Oh, the defense won and the offense lost. I think that's very I stupid. I think the way to watch it is to like study trends, study formations, study position groups, study how they're using pieces and how much they're trusting them with. And like whether or not the play works or not is is interesting, but it's not really what matters. What matters is that, oh, they're using this guy this way. Oh, they're using this guy that way. Like, oh, Elijah Molden's playing safety. Like it, it, Roger McCurry's always in the slot. Somebody earlier in the comments asked us about Fulton, who could be replacing him. And it's like the only options really <laughs> are Sean Murphy bunting on, on one side. And the other one's been Chris Jackson on the other side. And those have been the two starting basically outside corners for most. Trey Avery was in there a lot today. Um, you know, Molden and McCreary are kind of rotating between safety and slot corner. But like, you know, there's not a lot of competition for that number one corner spot other than Sean Murphy bunting. That, that's it so yeah but that's the way you watch it is you watch it and you see sort of general concepts and ideas you, you can't be like oh I, you know okay here's here's something Jalen Duncan is extremely athletic and has a long way to go uh they're, they're doing conditioning on Wednesday and Mike Vrabel's like pretty much hounding him for the conditioning and he's like dude God gave you some gifts you got to learn how to use them man and then he got like bowled over a couple times today in like, but again, in shells, like not even shells. So I, I don't, I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to watch practice and not just sort of like try to take away general things from what's going on. So well, we got a lot of stuff to do still on Titans the show. News? Before we get to Aziz, there's a little bit of Titans news. We got to give, and we got to give away our uh, yeah. our second bourbon. This will trail be just pass. real quick. This won't take long. Analytics okay. transaction: The Titans are hiring Sarah Bailey from the Los Angeles Rams. Per sources, this is from Seth Walder on Twitter. Bailey was a manager of football analytics in Los Angeles and has been with the team since 2017. Very interesting hire, the and as Wes on Broadway at Titan Stats on Twitter puts it, Titans continue to grow their analytics department under Rand Carthon. There you go. I, th- I think modernizing the front office and the and the offense is all part of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I ex- And I will say to all the comments that are saying like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. I think that's totally fair. And I'll go back to one of my original comments. I still think the offensive line is very much unproven every one of those guys we feel we feel okay about but there's a lot of unproven pieces on that offensive line we have no clue how they're going to hold up no clue so we think they're okay 
they're better than last year, but that's not saying a whole lot. Not a high bar for last year. Uh, D good. Todd Downing went flaccid during the season. Yes, that is part of the problem. Um, okay, let's hear from uh, you. Want to give away our our, our yeah. uh, let's give away our final. Um, what is this called? A Bourbon Trail Pass by Sickers yeah, Beverages. We call it that. So uh, Tim Dodge is going to be going with us on Tuesday, next Tuesday, up to Wild Turkey, Bardstown area. We're going to go pick out a Russell Reserve barrel pick for Sinkers Beverages liquor store. That's a really cool thing to like learn about and see behind the scenes. Also, we're going to drink a lot on the bus up and back, so it's going to be fun. We don't have to drive. Uh, and the second person who is going with us, you got to sign up for the in-crowd, which everyone should still go do because there's going to be more of these kinds of giveaways. So go sign up for the in-crowd. Please leave us a review, five stars according to Zach, uh, on the podcast app. And um, this gentleman has been listening for a while. We pulled out his name. Quote, quality Titan and football content. Good chemistry between hosts. Oh, that's us, Zach. Uh, the hot takes are well thought out and actually substantiated. In-depth breakdowns, the occasional conspiracy theory. I'm 100% here for it. Uh, Dustin, Dusty Bennett, you are headed to Bardstown Road. So get to us. Send us a DM. Send us a message. We'll make sure that you can go on Tuesday <laughs> and then we're off and running. So uh, Dusty Bennett, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Go to Sinkers because you're going to have more prizes like this throughout the course of the summer and next season and Kingston Group as well. So remember all those good folks. Okay. Um, I had a chance to to, to grab Aziz uh, Al-Shair coming off uh, the practice field on Wednesday. And this isn't exclusive. This is a 440 exclusive. And I asked him like sort of how different Mike Vrabel is from other coaches that he's had in his career. And I thought he gave a pretty interesting answer. Here's what he had to say. So, um, as far as like his style of communication versus uh, San Francisco, where I was at, I don't think it's any different. I think the difference is, is that he's, I wouldn't even say defensive minded coach. I want to say yes, but you know, he does the same thing with every position group. So I think he just is like, more like a mastermind. I could just see like Einstein putting all these concoctions and writing all these stuff together just to make, you know, whatever it is that he's trying to build. And that's what, you know, that's his team. That's a winning culture. That's a winning team, winning organization. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you can tell he cares because he's everywhere. And I don't even know how he does it truthfully. I don't know how he can learn all those techniques from this group and can learn all of that from the other group. And, you know, Kyle was really detailed in that same way. But I think he wasn't as hands-on with what we were doing, like on the field. Where he was more, Kyle was more focused on like receivers, quarterbacks, and offensive minded coach. Whereas Rabel, he'll be over there with the linebackers, and then you might see him cross the field with the receiver, with the receivers or the, you know, tight ends. So I think he's, it's just really, really versatile and like information overload. I, I have no clue how he's able to do all that, honestly. Is it connecting personally, like with you 100%. as like, I know how you learn and how you talk and how you communicate that makes 100%. him good at it? Yeah, without a doubt, because I think. His biggest thing is getting to know who he's talking to. You know, at the end of the day, we're all different. You know, came from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. I think we could have been with, what, 90 guys on the roster with 20 camp stars or whatever. So you got all these different guys coming from 90 different places. You know, and even if it's from the same place, experiences are different. So you try to learn each other. That's from, you know, the leadership. But it starts at the very top with him. And, you know, he kind of sets that standard. There you go. Uh, mastermind and Einstein. And Teron must be watching the show, obviously, because Teron uh, tweeted this out today. Quote, following Mike Vrabel around Titans practice always intrigues me. It's impressive how he can literally coach every position, even details for end men versus twists on a punt team. And I, I think that that's an excellent observation by Teron. I agree. Uh, obviously, Aziz does as well. I, I don't think he is sort of the secret weapon in all of this. I don't think there are a lot of coaches that can teach technique and understand leadership psychology for every player and every position and every skill in the building. And I even Kyle Shanahan doesn't do that. And he's really good. So I've, I, first of all, I'll show you a great quote. Love that guy. <laughs> also said he's not a defensive minded head coach. But he kind of, he kind of like wanted to say it, but well, he it specifically is. said he's not a defensive minded head coach. So that is, that is the, the main takeaway right there is that he's not a defensive-minded head coach because he he's everywhere. And he wants yeah. the whole team to succeed in all facets of the game, and he's not just focusing on one area. Yeah. Yeah. We've known that he's very hands-on, and we've known that he's popping into meetings here and there to either sit in or give his input or whatever. We've always known this. But it's nice to hear the fresh-faced player already pick up on that. And 
show that he prefers that. I mean, to me, it sounds like that he prefers or respects that Mike Vrabel is able to do all these things. Yes, I, I agree. And he's absolutely the green dot guy. Uh, there's no question that he will be wearing the green dot uh, when they are calling calling uh, in the defensive plays. What what I think is fascinating, if you watch, and th- this is kind of to Teron's point, like Vrabel will stand like in between two drills. And it'll be like the quarterbacks on one side and then like the running backs on the other side. And they're running two different drills with two different coaches, two separate groups. And he'll kind of be watching one. And today, he did it today. He's like, hey, I want you. And he like coaches Julius Chestnut on getting vertical on the particular zone on a, you know, on an outside zone run. He's like, no, no, I want you to get more vertical foot in the ground. Go. And he's like doing something with the running back. And he turns around, literally grabs a, a, a pad and starts smacking Will Levis's hands as he's going through his footwork drills. And he's like, he's doing this. He's like running backs, quarterbacks. It's like he just, he's constantly floating around all the time. And it's, I think he's probably glad that the old whistle twirler wasn't, isn't, isn't, <laughs> Has he never done that? Shoulder. I've always just assumed that he does do that. What, Vrabel? Yeah. Vrabel's always been like this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll just make yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of... he gets, I think because he's like this outside linebacker, big, burly dude that sort of like looks like a meathead, that I think the national perception of him is that he's just this like football guy. I'm a meathead, blah, 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 blah. But like, I think, I think he is way, we've said this on the show, like he's way more cerebral way more into the human psychology of leadership in a locker room communication. Uh, and then, and then just having such a good, such a good football mind to be able to teach technique on every, to every position group at all times is, is just, it was just, it was on display today. And, and to hear a brand new player say that, you know, after one mini camp, I think is, is impressive. So that's sort of the, the secret weapon the Titans always have here is that they've got Vrabel. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I mean, you know me, I'm a huge Vrabel guy. Um, you know, it's, I, I think the people that are just so down on this team and downplay what Vrabel is has been, has really gotten up my crawl. It's like, well, the, they'll never sign DeAndre Hopkins because Vrabel hates passing the football or, <laughs> You know, Vrabel hates this or Vrabel hates that. They'll never win a Super Bowl with Mike Vrabel as head coach. And I'm thinking, guys, I I don't know why you hate Mike Vrabel. I don't know if he went out hunting and your dog happened to walk into the crosshairs. Wow. Uh, he's hunting or something and he killed your dog. But I don't understand how people can look at what Mike Vrabel has done with so much less and blame him for having so much less like that seems to be the general consensus now that their favorite GM, John Robinson got fired and rightfully so that it's yeah. Mike, that Mike Vrabel is still the scapegoat for John Robinson, like, like, or John Robinson's scapegoat for Mike Vrabel, that John Robinson wasn't really the problem. It's Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, as Tony says, because there you yeah. go. Stony, Stony got it right. Um, and if you're watching, like this is what happens is you get one of these rosters, right? Here's one of those rosters that you get. You get it from the PR staff. You fold it in half uh, numerically. Then you fold it in half again. And then you start taking little notes on it. And I got notes down here that say uh, field goal, first first time field goal battle of the offseason. So it's it's mostly been exclusively the Wolf kid out of Texas Tech who's been playing. He's been kicking and he's I think he's missed two field goals the entire practice this weekend last Today on Thursday was the first day that both of them were out there alternating kicks going head to head. It was the first time that it was a true competition. And I, at most they missed one field goal. I, I think, uh, I think Shudak went six, seven of seven and, and uh, the Wolf kid went six of seven, I think. Um, but I'll say this, and I want to know what you think. This is a very random observation. One of them is like five, seven Caleb Shudak. And the other one is like six, four. Give me the six, four guy. It, no, it takes him longer to get to the ball. You think so? It's, it, it's you know how like a long windup, like Byron Leftwich, you know, when he throws the yeah. ball, it's like a long windup. He's got a longer, Caleb Shudek gets to the, his foot goes back and forward to the ball so fast. It's like a quick release passer. Justin Tucker, 6-1, I'm taking him. I, I Normally I would totally agree with you, but I watched yeah. him go back and forth and I was like, that guy's, the, the ball flies truer and it's it's released faster. Because yeah, I don't know if that matters, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, either way, they were they both connected from 52 today with like 10 yards to spare, like a lot of leg. Uh, I another Mike Vrabel ism or anti Mike Vrabel ism is that uh, 
he has too much ego and hubris about the kicker position. I've said I've I've said that. <laughs> and I all I've all I've said is so far for this season is like I feel like that's been a John Robinson thing. Now you can say he has a lot of hubris to believe in yeah. Craig Ackerman, but I do feel like special teams is trending in a better direction. But I also feel like this is the time, and this is what Mike Vrabel has always said. This is the time to make mistakes, yep. and this is the time to prove yourself, and that's how you should approach the kicker position up until training camp. Well, you want to know who's – this may not be the note to leave on because I thought it was a really fun week of practice. It was very yeah. enjoyable. Uh -oh. It was just very enjoyable. But you know who probably made mistakes every practice, and it's the time to do it? Will Levis. Will, Will Levis and Malik Willis. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the the Basically video of Jared, uh, the video that the Titans released? Like it says, wait till the end with the eye emojis, and it's Derrick Henry, you know, catching the ball deep or whatever. It was but, like a six second video. You don't have to tell me to wait to the end on a six yeah. second video. But I mean, anyway, the, the point of the video was that Derrick Henry was like doing a Hail Mary and caught the ball, right? One of the worst passes you'll ever see. But everybody's like, oh, look at Malik Willis throwing ball to Derrick Henry. I'm like, that's not the takeaway. The takeaway is that Derrick Henry caught a really deep ball. The, but the uh, other takeaway is, is that that will likely never happen. Yeah, the, dude, <laughs> the Titan social team is great. They they, they yeah, obviously they, do, they, they've they, done some good stuff. They crushed the schedule release party video down on Broadway. Like they've done a great job. That I saw that yesterday. And I was like, I don't get it. I was like, what's the, what am I waiting for here to the yeah. end of what? Like I was like, I watched the drills. Like uh, Derrick Henry's gonna be running fly patterns now in this offense. I don't think so. Yeah. Like yeah, Malik Willis so. playing quarterback. I don't think so. Uh, all right, that just about does it. Sinkers beverages. Congratulations to to uh, Dusty Bennett and Tim Dodge going with us on Tuesday. I'm sure we'll have some interesting video to play for you guys next week on the Thursday edition from that trip. Uh, otherwise, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, remember those two names. Subscribe to Stack in the Inbox, of course. Uh, only, no empty calories, only nutritional content here on the 440 Sports Network. We do appreciate you guys for all of you hanging out in the comments today. We love you guys. Uh, for Zach, I am Braden. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.